Welcome to Slug's bi-weekly Slug Soundwaves podcast. Here, in our print mag and on slugmag.com, enjoy our curated content that highlights the best of Utah's alternative and underrepresented music, arts, events, and community subcultures. If Slug has benefited you or someone you love, consider contributing to sustain our existence. Head to slugmag.com donate to join our community of donors. KRCL was founded in 1979 to bring a more diverse voice to Salt Lake City and surrounding areas. KRCL is community-funded and supported, which allows diverse commercial-free programming that varies from indie to hip-hop, blues to bluegrass, metal, punk, indigenous, and bilingual programs. And every weekday at 6 p.m., KRCL's Radioactive brings you grassroots activism and civic engagement with punk rock farming and live local music on Fridays. Tune in to KRCL at 90.9 FM, stream at krcl.org, or download the app on the App Store. Shh, are you listening? This is Slug Soundwaves. World's Worst is a four-piece punk band from Salt Lake City. The group's lead singer, Andrew Aronson, who you're about to hear, actually joined our show in 2020. At the time, the group had just released their first EP. Since then, they released a second EP called EP2, and later a full-length self-titled album in March of 2023. The band gained a large following as they toured in between releases, venturing all over the U.S. and hitting over 30 different cities with tour legs on both the East and West Coast. In this episode, Andrew and the band's bassist, Jake Phillips, talk about writing and recording their first album, and their first time recording in a studio, which didn't pan out the way they thought it would. Plus, they discuss what they call the slacker ethos, and how it's actually crucial to their band's sonic fingerprint. Hi, I'm Jake. I play bass in World's Worst. Hi, I'm Andrew. I play guitar and sing. Not with us is Max Schoenfeld, who plays guitar, and Zach Mayo, who plays drums. I only started playing guitar like seriously when I was like 18. I didn't really think of myself as someone that could write music for a while, but I had always been really into DIY music and going to shows. My brother went to school in Boston. He played in bands and uh, Boston during that time, there's a label exploding in sound that he would send me a lot of music from. And that's where I would find like Avlov and bands like that. And that sound that I ended up really liking and I think now, you know, try to like write songwrite in that way. But yeah, I didn't really, I feel like growing up, I just like skateboarding. <laughs> I didn't really think about playing in a, a band. I kind of started playing guitar pretty young. I played in the orchestra, middle school and high school. I played the bass, but I got really burnt out on music, I think, from the orchestra, like, just kind of treating it like it was some sort of thing that you have to try hard at and be good at. It felt like work. I remember going off to college and like not bringing my guitar with me because I was just over it. And um, I'd say it was a combination of meeting Andrew. He would talk about wanting to start a band and I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll play whatever. I can play the guitar, play the bass. And then my buddy Jackson, he was involved in kind of the DIY scene back east, was kind of, you know, hugely influential for me, showing me that, oh, like just some guy can be in a band and it can be sick. You know, it doesn't have to be like this huge thing. Spray paint trails across the yard Marching in through the weeds and the fog Strangers grin and a confidant That's where you find 
world's worst. Uh, for lack of a better term, I'd call it a rock band. I think there's definitely influence from a lot of different stuff, like from a lot of shoegaze, maybe some emo, some post-punk, post-hardcore, uh, a lot of 90s rock, but I think it all comes together to just be a rock band. I think when we first started, I was definitely more inspired by like slowcore. I think as we started playing shows and like gigging more, we got more into faster music in the way that I want to play a set that makes the crowd move, that wouldn't be boring. So I think that things inevitably got faster or maybe louder. Anything to try and avoid coming off as a boring band, I think, is the goal, maybe. A lot of the bands that we are inspired by are from Smoking Room, the label that uh, put out our music. Been listening to like that scene for a long time and been really excited about that type of sound to be able to contribute to that feels really important and special with the band. I mean, yeah, bands like Hotline TNT, Toner, Avlov, uh, Happy Diving, just like any of that like kind of modern fuzzed out rock. Is, uh, we're big fans of that. You know, we all have like slightly varied tastes, you know, I think me and Max like emo stuff. Andrew listens to a lot of like post-punk stuff and a lot of 80s music. Zach's kind of interesting because he... Zach likes Chief Keef. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Pretty much exclusively. Me and Zach both <laughs> listen to a lot of rap. He's everywhere. He's... He likes emo music too, though. He he kind of grew up on like pop-punk stuff. And then Max loves like EDM and like the <laughs> 1975. We all have like fairly eclectic tastes. I gotta say, we are all listening to a lot of Third Eye Blind when we wrote this last record. Third Eye Blind and Oasis, like yeah. on repeat. And it, <laughs> I don't think it sounds like that, but yeah. it definitely... It wore off to some yeah, degree. Yeah, I remember I was kind of like, oh, I wish this didn't sound so poppy. And then I listened <laughs> to like pop radio rock for like the full year leading <laughs> up to it. I like the balance of the really loud, distorted, heavy, kind of hard guitars, but also with somewhat like sensitive maybe laid back vocals i feel like that kind of dynamic is something i've always liked in music yeah i i think that me andrew and max are all like true blue guitar players like we've all played guitar for like a really long time and we really like just value a loud in your face like blown out guitar sound We're a guitar forward band. Like we want to lead with the guitar. When we play shows live, we tell the person mixing us if they haven't seen us before, we're like, you can pretty much forget about the vocals. We're a guitar band. Like the vocals are an afterthought in a lot of times. Yeah. I think we see ourselves more as guitar players than singers. Yeah. I don't think Andrew considers himself like a, a, a an amazing vocalist. And I think you, you know, think of yourself more as a guitar player. Yeah. I mean, it's like even how you write the songs. It's like I sit around with the guitar and write riffs and structure it. There's melody lines that come to my head. But the thing that excites me about writing a song and playing music is that guitar playing aspect. Treating the vocals almost as like just another lead line for guitars. Sitting in the mix ideally as just another instrument rather than as like the focal point, I think is maybe what we go for. I think that it all comes back to that kind of slacker ethos of like trying not to try and kind of, you know, lazy delivery, whiny vowels. I think that if someone is really up there like belting it, I don't think it would serve the type of music we make. Yeah. Be corny. It's kind of like when you go to like karaoke and someone comes up and they can sing really well. Every time I'm always like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like, this nah. isn't free. This isn't what we're doing here. We're like doing funny stuff. We're like having fun. You sang like Sam Smith perfectly. Like, oh. Ha <laughs> ha
after the first EP was the pandemic. And then during that, we were able to like write the second EP and record that. Once we started to get that moving, I think we realized that touring was something we really wanted to do. We had a lot of friends that toured and they always had like crazy stories about all that. And we also knew that that's probably the most beneficial thing you can do as a band is just get out on the road and be active. So we really definitely shifted our focus towards touring. So we'd spent like probably a year, year or two, I guess it was two years between the EP and the album, but spent like most of that time planning tours, booking tours, also while like writing. I think since the first EP came out, we got a little pickier about playing locally as well. We used to play like before the pandemic, we were around a little bit before the pandemic and we would play like anything that was offered. And I think we've gotten just a bit more selective, uh, just realizing, you know, if you play all the time, no one's gonna pull up you're kind of burnt like i think you know we all have those local bands which we've seen like a zillion times and they're and they're good but you've seen them a zillion times you know yeah. and like we maybe like you know walk that line so it's like really important to like try to honestly play less yeah in in salt lake and try to like play more out of salt lake yeah you want to you i feel like you want your show to feel special in a way and it's like if you're playing three shows in a month it's you know most people that like your band and they can even love your band, but they're probably only going to pick one of those shows to go to. The second EP was kind of cool because we started writing a little more collaboratively. The first EP was kind of just Andrew's like love child or, you know, his vision, um, which is sick. But we started like me and Max started contributing more and even Zach. We definitely make sure that everything is a live sound before we record it. Or I know certain people can like record songs strictly in the studio. Ours is more so we, we approach it as a live set and when recording it, we want it to sound as close to a live sound as we can get it. Yeah, almost every song is tested in front of a live audience before it is recorded. If we play it live and it sounds bad or feels sticky or uncomfortable, it doesn't make the cut. After the second EP, we, we were writing a lot, but it didn't seem like recording or getting anything out was really like the concern. So it was mostly just touring, booking, touring, still writing, but we didn't really have too much stress as far as like putting something out. And then I think we realized that we weren't <laughs> uh, we weren't really being productive in the way of putting out music. So then we started putting deadlines and really started hammering down on the album. So we... We were setting deadlines, which we shouldn't have done. We're all, we're bad at deadlines. Um, we know that. We should have known that. But we were setting deadlines on ourselves and we were like, all right, we need to like have this done. We need to like have something done. So we were writing a lot and we were getting things that were like felt pretty good and felt pretty natural. And uh, we were like, all right, well, let's let's start recording. And we got drums recorded. And then we all sat down and we're like, uh, I don't think I like a lot of this. I don't think this is that good. And uh, we really want to put something out that we're really excited about and really stoked on. And I think that we can be really hard on ourselves because of that, because you want to put something out that you're proud of. And I think if you sit around looking at the same song for a year, you're bound to find things that you don't like about it anymore. or Your opinion will change or you'll have different ideas, but that can constantly keep happening unless you just kind of put it out. Like, I feel like we could theoretically have just kept rewriting the first album forever. You know, it could have never came out just because it's so easy to be like, oh, I have a different idea now. A lot of the songs did end up on the album, just maybe with some slight rewriting or like, yeah, it, we just kind of took a moment to be like, let's talk about what we're actually doing. 
The only thing that really got recorded was uh, the drums. We made Zach record a whole album and said no, and then made him record a whole nother album. <laughs> we, we recorded drums, and I think we did guitars for like two tracks. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, like Andrew said, it's a crazy balancing act because you could sit there and twist knobs and edit things forever. You know, like, you know, they say art is never finished, just abandoned. So like you could tweak stuff forever, but also forcing yourself being like, I have three months to write a song. A good song is crazy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like, that's not how we operate. At that time, Zach was getting like really kind of nasty at the drums. Like Zach was, this is a little inside baseball, but Zach was kind of like a reluctant member. We were all friends before we were a band. We, I knew Zach and Andrew through skateboarding and uh, Andrew knew Max just from music. Andrew and Zach used to live together. So we were all like friends first. And um, Zach was always like, I don't know, he wasn't necessarily a fan of the same styles of music as us, which is kind of good, keeps us grounded in a way. But so this was after we had started touring a little, Zach was getting like more excited about it. You know, it kind of showed him maybe how cool being in a band could be. Zach, uh, Zach joined the band having only told me like once that he was like, yeah, I played drums in high, like middle school. I can play like Fall Out Boy songs. And I was like, cool, you, you're in my band now. <laughs> he's he's been stuck with us ever since he's he's tried to quit like three times and we're like no i guess okay he's like he's like oh man like i love you zach i'm sorry (laughs) but i think he likes it i think he he likes it now yeah he was yeah i'll also say that the collaborative thing while it's awesome can also like hinder us Because even though we all are generally fans of the same music, we all have different tastes. We all have different ideas of how the band should sound, honestly. And so sometimes one person's really cool vision is almost diluted by collaboration. Sometimes it really helps. You know, sometimes it makes the song is this outside perspective, but sometimes it can water down the original riff. We also went to a studio to record drums, which was cool, but that's not our usual MO. And I think there was constraints of time, like you're paying for time. And historically, everything has been recorded by Max at Max's house. Max is an audio guy by trade, and he's, you know, very good at it. On the album, it's all home recording. When we first did the drum parts at the studio, we were already feeling weird being in a studio. We like hadn't done it before. And there was like an insane snowstorm and power outage where we thought we lost all the tracks. And I had to like leave the van at the studio because I couldn't drive it in the snow. It all like felt like a bad omen. Going into it already feeling like this, I don't know about these songs, and then having like everything fail around the, the recording of it felt like a sign of like, I don't know what this is. This doesn't really feel right though. I think we felt like people cared too, which like is kind of strange. Obviously we're like a very small band in the grand scheme of things, but it felt like people were paying attention in some way, which was weird. Mm-hmm. I think we, yeah, like we just lost touch with the slacker ethos, you know, yeah. like we were, we were trying too hard. Yeah, we started to care too much. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it was incredibly frustrating to swallow that time and effort we had wasted, you know, For it was sure. like, I remember all of us just sitting around listening to the mixes being like, I'm not hyped on this, mm-hmm. like this sucks. 
I think after the record came out, I think I speak for everyone where we were like, that was pretty good, but I got a better one in me, was kind of the general feeling. And you can't be too hard on yourself, but you have to be critical in a way of like, we definitely learned lessons about songwriting, about production. Like every time we do a release, we learn something from it, you know? I think it's, it's honestly a pretty good place to be to make something that's objectively pretty good and then feel like you got a better one though. Yeah. Like there's no start and stop to writing. So even, you know, by the time the record comes out, we've been playing those songs for six months, right? And then, you know, we've been writing new songs while we're waiting for that to drop. We were writing new songs. And so it's just, we're always just excited about the newer thing. Dry It Out is a good example of a song that came together in like an interesting way. Jake brought the intro clean part, like the clean beginning part to us. I was like, this is like a cool little lead I wrote, like a little guitar part. And then I took that home and ended up writing like the second half because I couldn't quite remember what he was doing on the first half, but I kind of remember what he was doing a little bit. So I ended up writing like by attempting to play what Jake had like vaguely showed me earlier that day. I ended up writing the second half of the song because I was just sitting around being like, what was that again? And I like couldn't figure it out, but ended up just writing a second part that works with the first part. So it was kind of a funny, weird way of coming together. I think Challenger is a song that playing live still kind of feels like when we first started playing it live where it's just got like a good weight and energy to it. I think it's catchy, I think it's fun. I think I was listening to like Hum a lot when I wrote that riff, and I feel like that kind of scratches that itch a little bit to me. I haven't gotten sick of playing it. It feels like just as fun as the last time, every time. It usually gets people like moving and excited. That's about a rocket ship exploding, the Challenger rocket. Yeah, RIP. And I think uh, that came from when we were doing the rewrites, the idea of you know, putting all this time and resource and energy into something and then watching it explode and not really pan out the way you thought. And I felt like there was some parallels there when we were writing and re-recording. So it's kind of just about that feeling of uh, spending so much effort and time and not really feeling like it worked out in your favor. Was that a real rocket ship that exploded? Yeah, the Challenger. Mm -hmm. I did not look this up. In the 80s, I think the <laughs> yeah, Challenger. It was Can I fact check? If yeah, I, yeah. I'm no, gonna rewrite that whole I think thing it was like if it's not right. The Challenger yeah, exploded. Challenger. I, if I'm gonna have to make on the fly write a whole new explanation if I made this up. No, you didn't. There's a real rocket ship. But it did explode, right? Yeah, space shuttle. Rocket, space shuttle, disaster, challenge. Yeah, disaster. It happened. Yeah. Um, did it kill anyone though? Seven members. Ugh. <laughs> touchy oh, dude, it, it's <laughs> yikes i remember when we were writing that song i hated it you remember just because i you I, wrote a boring bass line that's yeah, why it's your yeah. own fault <laughs> I, I i like it now but i i used to not like playing that song i think what i didn't like about it is what also makes it like really cool and special it's like a caveman riff you know mm -hmm. it's just like just straightforward in your face like dun, 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 like you know kind yeah. of thing yeah we didn't really overcomplicate it too much you're about to hear Challenger from our self-titled album in its entirety.
writing new music look for some music next year maybe late this year hard to say uh this comes out friday february the 2nd we're playing kilby court with dad bod shout out smoking room and julia's war i think you can still get a tape on their web stores if you enjoyed this episode of sound waves please take 60 seconds to rate us and review us on apple podcasts this episode was produced by me, Mary Colbertson, and promoted by the Slug Magazine editorial team. Special thanks to Mike Schoenfield, Smoking Room, Julia Soir, and Parker Mortensen. Did you enjoy this episode of Slug Soundwaves? You and the local community can continue to enjoy Slug Mag's content for free, but please consider making a one-time or ongoing contribution. Each contribution, no matter the amount, Help support Slug's creation of thoughtful media coverage on SLC's music, arts, events, and community subcultures. Head over to slugmag.com donate to make your contribution today.